Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl 42 champion putter Jeff Fiegels. So oh, glad yeah. you could join us today. And we'll be here for the next hour or so to talk Giants football as well as some of the doings and, well, doings and don'ts. Maybe don'ts. Who knows? We'll have to see what's going on with the NFL and the Players Union as they try to get things together and try to uh, get an NFL season underway. Good afternoon, Mr. Fiegels. Hello, Paul Dottino. Nice to hear your voice. Always good to hear you as well, and we hope we can hear from the fans today. It's 973-667-1960 if you'd like to dial us up. 973-667-1960. You can also go to Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. And you can always go to the mailbag as well. Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions is the place to file your comments and inquiries. But Jeff, before we get to any of our fans today, and I really want to make this a fan centralized program because a lot of times we have guests and we have a lot of other things to talk about, but I'd really love to hear from as many fans as we possibly can today and give them a chance because I know they're itching to go as we get closer and closer to getting players on the field. But I cannot begin the show uh, with, with those folks until we get done with this morning's headlines. And we have a few now. We know that as we are taping this program, the NFL is getting prepared for another conference call and more conversation amongst themselves and amongst those in the players union to figure out the final details to see if they can get these players back out on the field. Now, there are a couple of critical issues that have broken this morning. Pro Football Talk uh, has released a couple of stories uh, that are certainly very significant as we continue to progress towards having football. One of them is the National Football League reportedly, according to Pro Football Talk, is willing to reduce its recommendation for preseason games from four to two, now down to only one. And this, of course, is after the Players Union had said last week they were insisting on not having any preseason games. Hmm. Does it say when? When is the one? It would be the third week of the preseason. Now, according to, again, Pro Football Talk, they're saying the schedule would include three weeks of strength and conditioning work, 10 days of non-padded practices, 10 days of padded practices over the final two weeks. Therefore, it would be week three of the preseason schedule. As it stands now, the Giants were supposed to play the Green Bay Packers at MetLife Stadium on August the 29th. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I think if the game, if week three of the preseason becomes the only preseason game played, I think the league is going to readjust the opponents because I think they'll do them on a much more regional basis. And mm-hmm. I just have a gut feeling the Giants would not wind up playing the Packers. They play the Jets. I would think so. You know, I mean, why not? There's, there's or potentially the New England Patriots. Yeah, just something where people can get to get to those games at the players. I mean, there's not going to be any people there. I, I, you know, listen, I, I think that oh, this is just, you know, every day is, is different. Um, the players are not going to care. I mean, I, I mean, they say that they don't they don't want any. Um, but listen, if the teams want one, you know why the teams want one, Paul, they need to evaluate. You know well, what I'm they saying? want to go through a dry run, Jeff. And yeah, I don't they got blame it. them. I think everybody, including the players, should well, want to go through the drill. You you had a little bit of a of a question on that, but but I think if I were a player, I'd want to go through a drill too. Well, the young guys would. The the older veterans could care less. They really could. It's more of a chance to get hurt. Um, you know, the dry run I think would be more important to the teams that are new. New coaching staffs, and you know you get you don't, but you could practice the online, excuse me, the on-field, you know, things you got to do. I mean, I, I don't know. I just if, if it's me, I, I I could I don't I would like to play a preseason game just because I like to go in the game, but I think I'm different because I don't have to go out there and hit guys and get tackled and and really have a a chance to get hurt. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's important, um, especially because we talk about this all the time, where there's been no off-season on-field stuff. So um, I think the more when you talk about how many days they said unpadded practices and you got to get these guys in, in shape to play football, especially what? when it starts when they're real bulls and they start flying around and these things are it's, it's live and it's counts. Um, so 
I don't know. Uh, I think you know the, the union wants zero. They they agree on one. They've gone from four to two to one, and <laughs> you know I don't know, Paul. It's tough. okay. I've got two very important questions for okay. you. Let's assume hypothetically that the one preseason game. Okay, we're going with one. Has winds up happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question number one: How many regulars do you think will see any snaps in those games? Period. Well, I feel like if there's going to be a game, you might as well use it, right? There's nothing you can do about it. So I think they'll treat the third the game like a third third preseason game. They're gonna they're gonna play the the first teamers for the half, and then uh, you know that's what I would do. That's what okay. I would do. Question number two: mm-hmm. How many roster spots do you think would be up for grabs or could be won by some of these young fellas, specifically at the back end of the depth chart? who may only have one piece of game tape to try to steal a spot. I don't know how many, but I will tell you that if we're going to the game and we're a coaching staff, we have a list of players that are in a, in a heated battle, especially at the back end of the roster, like you said, and that we will play more more we'll pay more attention to those players because of that. You know, the rest of the roster is set. They know who's going to be playing first and second teams. It's the back end of the roster, special teams guys. So, you know, we go into this game and say, listen, we're going to look, take a look. The, really, this game is, is dependent upon us getting in, learning the sideline. New, I'm talking about the Giants now. And, you know, learning how to do things, to come out at the, at the halftime, you do all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to look at these position matchups and com- competitions that are going on. And that's, I would say, probably, you know, maybe five, six to eight players that we're going to look at to see who can make this team, the back end of the roster. Given the uniqueness of everything that has happened during this offseason, how much of a percentage of a player's grade do you think will rely on whatever that game tape shows because it is their only shot? That's a good question. I, I you know, that, of course, I, obviously that's up to the team the way that they, you know, if they put these players in a good position to battle during practices, and, and listen, if I'm one of the head coaches and I'm speaking to my team and I know that there's only going to be one preseason game, I'm sure enough going to tell these teams, listen, you know, you guys always thought how important practice is. We, we've always told you it's important. It's even more important now because you are being evaluated uh, in practices a little bit more than we would normally because we have four preseason games. And remember, the roster has been expanded and the cutdowns are no longer, so these players can play four preseason games. Before, you couldn't. Now they can't because there's, if, it's, if this is passed, there's only going to be one. So... You are going to be the practices are going to be more. So I would think maybe maybe the last ten percent of the evaluation will be to that game. Most of it's going to go going to be in practice, Paul. Yeah. Well, speaking of rosters, Jeff, it's very interesting that you brought that up because <laughs> that's the next point that Let's is going to be discussed into that. today. Well, it's the league and the labor union trying to figure out now what you're going to do with positive COVID tests and how does this apply to the practice squad. And again, Pro Football Talk coming out with a story this morning saying that the league's proposal to the Players Association contemplates a broad expansion of the rules regarding the practice squad to add a, uh, allow a team to add up to 16 players on its game day roster up to 90 minutes before kickoff. Now, what they're saying is the practice squad would expand from 12 up to 16 players and up to six members of each practice squad would have no limitation on the number of accrued seasons, which means you could have a 10-year veteran Mm -hmm. on the practice squad, and that is a stark contrast to what we have seen in the past. The reason that I like that is because you know that guy has a better chance to be game-ready if Mm -hmm. he is suddenly thrown into an emergency situation and has to get his butt onto the field. It also doesn't damage the sport. Um, and what I mean by that, the quality of play. I mean, if you've got all these young guys coming off the practice squad that are now starting, you know what happens. Uh, the, it's watered down. So you want to want some of those veteran guys that weren't able to be on the practice squad that could be, and then they can come into a game and they can play. I like it. I like it. Obviously, this is just a, a one-year situation. Um, I know that before this they were talking about you know guys being able to move on and off the roster and practice squad without being, you know, acquired by other teams because you make the move. Remember when you go up to the active squad and then you're put back down to this practice squad, there's a team that can pick you up and you always, uh, you always run that risk. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I like it. And again, 
this is all COVID related, right? I mean, because if something happens at a position where it knocks out two or three guys and you've got two, two veteran or even young players on the practice squad that could come in and, and fill in those and you feel comfortable about it, good stuff. It has to happen, though, because you think about it, Paul, if, and going from 12 to 16, was it 12 to 16 is it, or was it – They'd ten, like to go up to 16 now, yes. They're going to go to 16. I don't think why, why anybody would – well, first of all, the players' union is not going to argue that because they want more players having jobs, so that's not going to be a problem. Um, and I think the league is not going to argue the point that you could have veterans on there because they don't want to water down, you know, they not water down. They just don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't want to have these, the product needs to be good. You don't want to have games that are just going to be ugly because they have all these young players because, you know, guys are sick. So I think well, it'll happen. And I, I like that. I do. If you remember a couple of months ago, we had this conversation mm-hmm. shortly after the draft. And, and I said, even then that that would be a great idea. Because it's really a win for everybody. Mm -hmm. Now, the only requirement for the immediate promotion of a practice squad player on the morning of a game is that the positive diagnosis for a COVID test has to happen after the 4 p.m. deadline the previous day. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, in other words, it has to be basically COVID emergency where after the 4 p.m. deadline, which is when all transactions have to occur, as you know, Jeff, uh, the day before a game, if you get a positive test later on that evening or first thing the morning of a game, that is the rule that they're talking about to give you, quote, an emergency activation per se. And again, they're going to give you up to 16 of those on the morning of the game. That's, uh, That's a lot of players. It is a lot of players, but how does that happen I mean, if you're on the road, I mean, that means you got to bring all those guys with you. Oh, boy, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Because if, it, if it's if it's 4 o'clock, you know, and all of a sudden that evening, and you don't have anybody there with you and you're on the road in Cincinnati, I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do, put, put them on a private jet that morning and fly them out there? Um, wow. I hadn't even thought about that, Jeff. You're right. Home so that's games, it's no big deal, but road games, that is yeah, a logistical yeah. and, nightmare. And, see, this, and this, is, this is the problem. And what I mean problem is just something that everybody has to work through, both sides, the NFLPA and the, and the owners. And there's just so many, there's so many different angles to every, everything that we talk about. Everything that we bring up and everybody that, that talks about this roster now, well, there's always, it's layered. There's so many different aspects that you have to be aware of. And, you know, that's one of them that you'd have to, you know, so maybe now, now they're able to say, okay, you know what, you're able to, you're able to travel now with, rather than traveling with your 55 guys, because remember, the roster went up to 55 this year, um, that you'll be able to you know, go with 70 guys on the road. Jeff, I've got another question for you. Okay, if you're so concerned about guys getting infected the night before a game, maybe the practice squad guys have to go commercial on a different flight. Because what good is it if you have a guy test positive, let's say 7 o'clock on Saturday night, and he's coming to contact with those practice squad guys? Then, then they're not, quote, clean players that you can just pluck off the practice squad and put on the field. If they're going to, if they're going to be uh, uh, looked at as emergency filling guys, don't you have to have a guarantee that they're not sick? Well, they've been tested too, so you would know that they're not, right? Yeah, but if they're on the, if they're on the charter with a player who tests positive. That's taking a more of a risk. Than- oh, I see what you're saying. Well, I mean, right? listen, I, I, I just don't know how often and they're going to get tested. Is it every single day? Um, I know that the players, from what I've been reading about, want testing every day because they want to make sure. And, and from what I'm getting from this is the players want to play. I mean, if you noticed that yesterday there was um, on Twitter, all these players were sending out these tweets yesterday um, attacking a lot of different angles of this, but the mo- the bottom line is that they're all they're saying we want to play. We're just we're just worried about our safety. We're worried about protocol, and we just want a, a little bit more um, clarity going forward in all this. So that's why they're having these emergency meetings with the NFL owners and all the stuff that goes with it. Well, by the way, and I would be remiss if I didn't say this, but I'm so happy that Major League Baseball got underway over the weekend. We saw exhibition games between the Yankees and the Mets at City Field and Yankee Stadium. Now, I get it. It's a different sport, not nearly as much contact and all that stuff. I get it. But I'm just so happy that we actually saw a professional league put a product on the field. And to my knowledge, there were no setbacks anywhere. 
And, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, but I feel good about that because I do think that could be a foreshadowing of some hopeful signs for the National Football League. Yeah, I think so. I, I just think, you know, as we move forward in the season, both collegiately and professionally in the towns and, and uh, cities and states that, these, that this COVID is, you know, having a um, coming back out and it's being stronger. I think that, you know, as things get better, um, the better off we're going to be. And I think that, you know, I was looking at some of the numbers today on Twitter from, you know, my son at Rutgers in the Big Ten, I've been following this, is that, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. I mean, the testing numbers are, they're really good with the players that are actually in, in the offseason programs right now with them. So uh, God only hopes that this thing runs its course and um, we can get some real football on the field. You know, not only for the players, but, you know, I listen, I, everybody loves football. They love to go to games. They love tailgating. They love the game itself and, you know, the whole aspect of, you know, that Sunday morning waking up and going to a football game or watching your favorite team on TV. And, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and how. That's the big thing. Okay, uh, Jeff, I promise so the many fans, questions. So I, many questions. No, hey, and, and that's just the nature of what we're dealing with. Let's face it. This is a very unique situation. I did promise the fans we would really try to make this their show today, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the phones. 973-667-1960. Phil from North Carolina, you're first on the show. Hello. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, hey, thanks for doing this today. Um, sure. I had a question for you. Um, you know, I'm not a crazy about the the Leonard Williams trade when it when you factor in money. You know, if, if in a vacuum, possibly, but not when you factor in money. So I'm going to pose a question for you. Uh, who? What would you rather have? Uh, 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 Okoro and Kennard from the previous regime on this team, and not have Williams, or have Williams and, and not those former guys. Well, Paul, I mean, first of all, we're talking about Aquara, right? And, Aquara, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, Kennard being a linebacker, uh, I, listen, I, I, feel like, I feel like Leonard Williams is, you know, I would rather have him. I, I, I feel like that, that I just would rather have him, to be honest with you. I think that he brings a little bit more to the table. I think that he's a better player than both of those guys. I agree with you, and I also think he's a better scheme fit. But, Phil, I'm going to give you some numbers here because I did a little research. Okay, Leonard Williams was drafted in the first round by the Jets in 2015. So I went back and I said to myself, okay, let me see. Let me see how Leonard Williams stacks up against other defensive ends. And this is where people who are very shallow and don't understand a lot about football really get lost because they just emphasize sacks. And I get that Leonard Williams only has 17 and a half, and that's a paltry number compared to some other guys. But I want to give you some numbers because Jeff Eagles knows, and he understands, that football's an all-around game. And it's about how well do you play the run? How well do you pressure the quarterback and hit the quarterback to affect what happens during the game? Anybody who puts all their stock in sack numbers is really being very naive and shallow because that is only one very small part of the game. So I want to give you some numbers. Since 2015, when Leonard Williams came into the league, he ranks eighth among all NFL defensive linemen in tackles. He's played 79 games during that time. Do you know, uh, according to the, uh, the, 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 the stat numbers, over that time, he has 12 more tackles, over the same exact period of time than Chandler Jones. He's got 33 more tackles over the same period of time than Demarcus Lawrence and 37 more tackles over the same period of time as Jadavion Clowney. Now, that may blow you away, and I hope it does, because it shows you how much of an all-around player Leonard Williams is, especially against the run, where he fares much better than those guys who are much more interested in getting to the quarterback. And I might add... Jones has played 79 games, Lawrence 73, Clowney 80, Leonard Williams has played 79. So I don't need to hear people saying, well, he's played more games. No, we're talking about basically the same amount of games. Mm -hmm. I would also tell you he's got 266 tackles during that same time span. That is eighth among all defensive linemen in the National Football League since that time. Three tackles less 
than, I'm going to say it, only because he plays a pseudo position, Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, I, <clears throat> let me see here. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. 266 tackles, I gave you that. 101 quarterback hits. That's 11th amongst defensive linemen since 2015. That is three quarterback hits less than Khalil Mack, 15 more than Frank Clark, 18 more than Demarcus Lawrence, and 21 more than Davion Clowney. Now, these guys are big names who collect headlines all the time because they get the sack and they get on ESPN and they get on the highlight shows. But are they better all-around football players than Leonard Williams? I'm not so sure because his other numbers outside of the sacks kind of dwarfs those guys. Mm. People should take that into account. Good breakdown. No, definitely, Paul. I mean, it, those are good numbers, good research on your part. And, and believe me, I, I was a defensive coordinator for eight years in middle school, so I know, I know about all-around game. Uh, so, but, you know, I think the issue with him is that, one, the, the cost, and then, two, is his get-to numbers are super, super low. If they were, like, middle of the pack, I think people could digest it a little bit more. But they're so, so low, uh, skewed Yeah, the 17-and-a-half career sacks since that time is, is a number that really irks people. And when you're picked in the top ten of the draft, people expect that you're going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player, a perennial pro bowler, and a guy who's going to get double-digit sacks every year. Okay, but that's not Leonard Williams' fault where he was picked. That's the Jets' fault for maybe overdrafting him. If he was drafted down at the 25th spot in the first round, do you think anybody would actually say he's an underachiever? No, I think, I think yeah, but his money, his, well, his value would probably be less, don't you think? I mean, well, he wouldn't be asking for $16 million. So, But, my, okay, uh, good points. My other quick question is, on the Marcus Golden front, which we only have two days, I think, to figure out if he's going to be on the Giants or not, right. uh, if someone scoops in, is there anything other than the money issue that prevents them? Like, there's no compensatory pick, Uh on this, is there? There's nothing like that involved, right? No. No, it's just purely money. They, 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 they simply put, they've got to come up with a good deal for him, and he's got to be willing to sign it. That's all there is to it. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you, guys. You're Appreciate it, Phil. Thank you. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff I got also... on my soapbox there a little bit. No, that's okay. And, just kind of gives sorry. you an idea. I'm sorry, but the truth of the matter is, those numbers, which are important parts of coaches' evaluations when they decide how productive a player is actually show when you dig deep and peel back the layers of the onion that Leonard Williams has been a much more effective player than people give him credit for. But you got to understand that this is the evaluation process. This is what goes on in the organization with every player when they decide to franchise a player or renegotiate or extend a contract or sign somebody is that there's you know, and I hate to use this word because you hate the word, but I don't know any word to use it. But the analytics behind all this stuff and just the number crunching is you got to get a baseline. All right. So when we're going to franchise Leonard Williams, what are we going to look at? OK, let's look at this. And you bring up some of the, the points that you brought up, Paul. Those are some of the things that they do look at. So, you know, from an outside perspective, you come back and you say, you know what? This guy doesn't have the sack numbers. We'd all, including me, would love to see the sack numbers go up because, what I'm saying to you is that I, I still think he's a very good football player. I want him to be an outstanding football player. Right. I want the Giants to have another, you know, O.C. Umanura. I want the Giants to have another player like that that stands out that can get to the quarterback and can be a nuisance on Sunday. And I think that Leonard Williams has the ability to do that if he could just bump up that number. But he does so much more in the run game. He does so much more in pressures. And if they didn't think that they could get more out of him, and that he was that caliber of a player, they would not have franchised him, right? Other mm-hmm. than the fact that they had a safe face because they gave up two uh, picks. But, you know what, listen, he's in a contract year, so I'm looking at big things out of Leonard Williams this year. I really let me, am. Let me give you another number here, Jeff. In his eight games with the Giants last year, mm-hmm. he had 11 quarterback hits. Do you know that Lawrence, Hill, and Tomlinson the other three of the Giants' starting defensive line rotation, over the course of their first eight games, 
they combined for only eight quarterback hits total between mm-hmm. the three of them. Mm-hmm. And then after he got to the team, they combined for 12. So think about that. Mm-hmm. The three of them, eight quarterback hits combined in eight games. Leonard Williams shows up, and then the four of them combined for 23 quarterback hits over the next eight games. Yeah. You Never tell me attention. that he didn't make an impact. Please. Well, they, the other teams Come paid on. attention to him. Yeah. yeah. He absolutely makes an impact. He is a very good player. He is not an all-pro. He is not a superstar. He is a very good player. And, and if somehow, good, and, if chaos can get him to the next level, that's a big win. And he's a good team. He's a good, he's a good team player. You know no I mean? question. A, there's no problems with him. You don't hear anything, you know. You know, if people want to quick to judge a guy that's, you know, didn't you know wants to hold out or all the other but he's a good guy good locker room guy a good player good guy to have on your team and oh by the way because he does play inside as well he's able to fulfill two different positions for you so the versatility factor is also worth something 973-667-1960 our phone line is open if you'd like to dial us up and again of course always go to hashtag giants chat and there is a mailbag uh, address. You can hit us up there if you have something really long. And sometimes that happens. It doesn't fit on Twitter. Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. Don says, Jason Garrett's offenses in the past have been criticized for being too predictable. Being a predictable offense only works if you can impose your physicality. Do you see this as a possibility or a potential problem especially if the Giants did not get uh, one of the big physical offensive tackles in the draft. Obviously, they did come up with Thomas, and they did come up with Parrott as well. Uh, it depends, you know, where they're going to play and how much they're going to play. But uh, what, do you, what do you think of this question, Jeff? Mm, I don't really understand it. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, I think his point is if you're going to have a finesse offensive line, that Jason Garrett's philosophy with Dallas was more of a pounded ground game and beat people up so he's, and smash so them in the mouth. So basically calling the offensive lineman now finesse? Well, I think what he's asking is <laughs> if the Giants don't have what they think they have because mm-hmm. they've tried to build a stronger, mm-hmm. more physical offensive line, especially okay. with Mark Colombo coming in as their offensive line coach, I think what he's saying is if they come out of camp and it doesn't look like they're as big and powerful and physical and strong as they are projected to be, does Jason Garrett's offense become an issue? Because mm-hmm. now that's yeah. the kind of line you have to have to run what he wants to run. I think that's what Don wants. Well, you, 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 have no, you, have, you have no thoughts. No, I do have a thought. Now, if that's what he's asking, I, I, I just think feel, so. I well, think I don't. So. I, well, I just feel like coming out of a training camp, um, and only having one game, and all of a sudden you don't think that your offense is what it is. You're not going to have time to change anything, so you're going to have to stick with what you got. You're just going to basically have to walk into that offensive line room and say, "Let's go." I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I just feel like you know the National Football League. If you know any of these guys that are the linemen of the team, they're all nasty. They're all mean. They're all strong. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, Colombo's going to bring that mentality. Even oh my if God. somebody was, in that room doesn't have it, he will. 100%. That guy is like, you just look at him. He's six foot seven. I mean, before the whole thing was COVID, when we were down at the, uh, when they first got hired and he walked in the, in the cafeteria, I remember the first time, I mean, obviously he's lost a little bit of weight from his playing days, but he hasn't lost in his height. I mean, have you ever seen a bigger, taller guy than him? I mean, putting him and Nate Solder <laughs> next to each other. It's like these guys can play basketball for the Knicks. <laughs> I Unbelievable. Hear you. But, you know, it's a good question. I understand what he was saying now. I'm sorry for not understanding it at the beginning, but um, I think this team has some nastiness in them. Zeitler and, uh, you know, and Hernandez, those are two guys I don't want to mess with them, you know. And I think that, uh, you know, if you want to call uh, Andrew Thomas somewhat of a finesse player at the end, I don't know. I think he's pretty, he's pretty powerful guy. He's a big dude. So I just hope that, that the, the caller – I hope you're wrong. I hope that they are a physical team, and I think they can impose their will on the other team, and I think that's what they want to do. Run the football, right, with Saquon. That's, well, the, that's I, the goal. Look, that, that really not only uh, is probably the goal as we understand it, but it really needs to be. It's it the smartest to way to go based on what the Giants have. They'd be yeah. foolish to do anything else. 
it would be foolish, you know, and you got to stick with it. That's the, maybe that's, you know, I, I, I just, I get tired of the fact that when teams abandon the run and then they go to a pass happy, pound the football, get your offensive line to get you some, some good first and second down production so that you have the ability to either run the football or throw it on third down. And then you can, you can set up the pass and throw the ball deep. That's what Jason Garrett's going to want to do. And, um, you know, hopefully with that line that you can do that. I think that, you know, you asked me a question earlier today when we were doing our our uh, positional breakdowns is that, you know, is it 2,300? Was it 2,300, Paul? Was that the number for Tiki all-purpose yards? The number I yards? think is 20. It's like, I think it's 2,390 is Tiki's So it's in the 2,300s, yeah. Is that, is that number attainable for Saquon Barkley? And that's a heck of a number now. That's a heck of a number. I mean, you're talking about maybe what? 1,400 yards rushing and another seven, 800 yards receiving. That's that's pretty good. Well, you know, here's the thing, and I I I looked at a lot of. I the think numbers. you can do it. Yeah, I, I looked at a lot of the numbers for Elliott, and you know, John and and I and Lance, and I think you were also a part of some of the over under things that we have discussed on BBK in the last couple of weeks. And the more I looked at it, the last day or two over the weekend, I just had a lot of time to start digging into this stuff. I, I think it's more likely. Well, I think it's more likely that uh, Barkley is going to run for sixteen to seventeen hundred yards on the ground, and then if he's going to catch Tiki, he's going to need to get six or seven hundred yards through the air. Mm-hmm. But but I don't think I don't think we're going to see another ninety-one catch season out of Barkley. I think he'll have uh, you know like three hundred and thirty touches. But I think there'll be more of them from the running spot as opposed to him going out as a receiver, which I had originally thought that Shermer was going to use him even more and more as a receiver. I think Garrett's going to use him more as a runner. I hope so. (laughs) I was just actually going back and looking at my notes here for the over-unders for Saquon. Okay. Okay. I think it was – 1,450 yards, 300 carries, 66 receptions for 600 yards. So that would give him not enough, right? Or was okay. that what he's done before? Um, I can't even read my own writing here. That's really bad. <laughs> um, what was the over-under for the uh, – John, I, I, you – I don't, John, I don't John remember what it was, but, huh? but I think I definitely believe that with Garrett's philosophy, if things go well for the Giants this year and their offensive line plays like they're supposed to and Barkley stays healthy, I do think this is a year where he could challenge Barber's number. Do you guys really want me do. to do you guys want me to receive yeah, the I'd love to Yeah, it. Uh, John's on the other line. Come on in, John. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't have him right now. I have to run upstairs and get my notebook. Give me one minute. I'll be right back. All, All right. right. All right. Very good. <laughs> in the meantime, okay, uh, we do have a question here that came in. I guess this was uh, on the, in the mailbag. Uh, Merrill in New Jersey says he wants to know if uh, Paul, do you remember? He's going to go to me here because I'm I'm a Giants historian. Do you remember a number 33 fullback who in the late 50s and early 60s? Last night I had his name. This morning I don't have it, and I want to put my thinking cap on. Well, I think he's got to be talking about Mel Triplett, who was uh, on the Giants uh, championship team in '56. He was there in '58. In fact, he he made it all the way until the early '60s on the on the Tittle seasons. Um, but but the first year with, with no no you know what he wasn't there for Tittle because Tittle was '61 '62 '63, and he wasn't there for the '61 season. So Triplett didn't make it tonight. Oh wait a minute, '60. <laughs> I want to say '60. Triplett was there in '60. But then in 61, that's when the Giants kind of changed up their backfield a little bit because they, they want to get McElhaney in there uh, to work with Tittle. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's probably Mel Triplett. That's probably the guy that you're talking about. He was a fullback on the team in the late 50s. All right, I do have the Saquon over-unders for you. What do you got, John? Okay, here we go. Rushing yards, we had him at 1450. Okay, these are my, yeah. Three of us selected over. Lance was the only one that picked under. We had him at 300 carries. All of us selected over on that. Receptions at 66 and a half. Jeff was the only one that was over. The rest of us were under. Receiving yards, 600. All of us were under on that. Rushing touchdowns, 11 and a half. All of us went under on that. Receiving touchdowns, three and a half. Jeff went over. The rest of us went under. And for predi- scrimmage yards predictions, all of us picked between 2000, uh, well, 2050 for three of us, give or take. 
And then Paul, you at twenty two hundred. Okay, yeah. so he falls under under Tiki's record then. Yeah, going to be close. It's going to be you close. Know, so all those it takes numbers, is one yeah. or two big bursts, and he could catch him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. And you know what? It would be just like Saquon if he was healthy going into the last season, and God willing that the whole season is here. Is it all of a sudden he needs forty yards going into the game, and he breaks off a you know a sixty yarder to first play a scrimmage, right? You know, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. All right, let's go back to the phones at nine seven three six six seven. 1960, uh, Vincent from Waldorf, Maryland. I don't know if he knows Len, but he's next on the show. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How you doing, gentlemen? Good. Doing well. How are you? I have no complaints, no complaints. Another beautiful day, Big Blue for Life. Nice. Um, I just called to, actually, I heard one of, I heard part of the caller's uh, statement earlier, and you were talking about Leonard Williams. Um, and I know, Paul, I think you said, um, you know, he's, you wish you could, uh, somebody said something about him being like O.C. or things of that, uh, another O.C. or something of that nature. But That's even looking back in much. the day, yes, but even back in those days, um, you know, O.C. had for a little while, he had straight hand with him, and then he also had Justin Tuck. So he also had other people on that line that you just couldn't focus on one person. I don't know Leonard Williams has that kind of help on our defensive line where he can just, do his thing or no one necessarily worry about him because you have to worry about, you yeah, have Marcus Golden was doing his thing too. But other than that, you didn't really, you didn't really hear about too many other people off of that line. I mean, Desta Lawrence made some noise uh, from time to time, but it, to me, it just wasn't consistent enough. Um, and none of the linebackers to me really did much. Um, they did some, but they, they didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just my statement on that. I just, we don't have those type of – if we get that type of help on the, on the line and maybe with some of the draft that the, uh, the people that we have coming in, the guys from Green Bay um, and, and a couple other people we have coming in, maybe then um, Leonard may not get so much attention in the middle. He may wreak more havoc whether he's playing on the end or coming up the middle. Um, just depends. As far yeah, as Vincent, you're right. There, there are no okay. Batman pass rushers on this Giants roster yes. right now. There may be a couple of Robins, but there are no Batman. Exactly. And my last uh, statement really is just what you all were talking about for Saquon. And to me, it just seems like the Giants, the coaching staff of last year, <clears throat> kind of babied him a lot um, to me. Like there was games to me in both Philly losses when he was tearing everything up. But then there's certain quarters where you just didn't see him. Like, why? <laughs> I never understood that. Like they monitored his carries or they just wouldn't let him run. And I, I never understood that. So Hopefully this year with the coaching staff and Jason Garrett, I hope he can reach those numbers. Um, to me, Tiki was was his best when he had um, Brandon Jacobs with him when they had when they were Thunder and Lightning. You had the one guy wearing him down, and then Tiki was able to do his thing. But that was over the course of the game. Um, if we can get that kind of production from another two back system, then I think Saquon will have a great year. Gentlemen, I thank you for your time, and I'm looking forward to your response. Thank Appreciate you. the call. Thank you, Vincent. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, but just to go back, I was the one that said about OC. I'm not saying that Leonard Williams is going to be an OC. I want Leonard. I want Leonard Williams. To, like, you know how like people, that name people knew going into the game that they had a, they had a, a guy that was you know the name was there. I want someone that, that there's really on this defensive line. There's nobody that pops off the page. That's what I meant by that. I wasn't comparing him to wanting him to be. Although he could, <laughs> it'd be great. But I know it's hard, and he's correct. Um, O.C. Had, did have Tuck and Strahan and those other guys. And right now, uh, there's, there isn't any of those other guys other than, you know, some of the new linebackers that come in. And you got to look at, you know, the, the guys that are on the roster now. They have to play better. X-Man, right? Carter. Those are, these are guys that really need to play well um, and maybe get some attention that will take some of the attention off of Leonard Williams. And he could just go out there and play like he's supposed to. Well, again, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what Chaos is able to do. You and know, Graham. Defensive line coach, what's he able to do with him? What is what is defensive coordinator Patrick Graham able to do with him? Uh, I really believe that after that second season with the Jets, that Williams was not used properly. Mm-hmm. I did not like the scheme that they were running there, and I did not think it suited him very well. And also, I didn't think he got enough help along that defensive front. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about for years how the Jets haven't really had a pass rush. And that goes to the point where Leonard Williams is not going to be a Batman pass rusher. He's never going to be that. But is he a very good player who 
can be part of a really terrific ensemble? I absolutely believe that. Anyway, we yeah. uh, we go back uh, to 973-667-1960 if you'd like to give us a call. We have Alexander Wilson on Twitter. Uh, Alex Wilson ESM says three players to keep an eye on at training camp for the Giants. Uh, he says uh, Nick Gates, uh, the versatile offensive lineman, is one. The rookie safety, Xavier McKinney, he thinks is number two. And I understand that because he's certainly got high expectations. And he goes to number three to be the offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, who was taken with the fourth pick in the draft. Your thoughts? They're all good place to start. <laughs> Interesting um, that he puts Thomas third, though, behind the other two guys. Don't yeah, you think? well, whether he meant that, was he ranking that? or is it just... I thought that's what he meant, but maybe um, not. Yeah, there's, I, you know, there's a lot of really. I mean, if there's if there's one side of the football that I look for competition, and there's going to be a lot of it, it's it's, and I think it's the cornerback position. The very a lot of unknown there with what's going on with uh, DeAndre Baker, and then the depth at a lot of those positions, corner, and at slot, um, safety position, pretty much you know what what you're going to get at safety position, right? You're going to get, you know, you're going to you know who's going to be back there. Um, Jabril, mm-hmm. okay, and um, I feel like the other positions. What and you may agree with me, Paul, is the offensive line. I mean, so the two that I'm looking forward to is the O line and the cornerbacks. Those are the linebacker. I think you know who's going to be there. You know who the, who your starters are going to be, and then I think the competition is going to be at the backup positions. But cornerback to me is somebody that you got a lot of guys that. They're kind of in space here. We're like, where are you going to play? Are you going to play inside? Are you going to play outside? What happens with DeAndre Baker? Is he suspended? Is he isn't suspended? Is he coming back? Is he isn't coming back? And, of course, that offensive line position with Nate Solder and um, and the big guy, Williams. So, I'm not Williams. I mean, Thomas. Can mm-hmm. you? I, I can't wait to watch him. I mean, as much as we're going to be able to, I don't know how, but you know, I, I, wanna, I can't wait to see him. I just can't wait to see how big he is and how he moves. Really. All right, Jeff, so it's July 20th, and as we get to our next caller, we remind people that linebacker Marcus Golden has until July the 22nd, that is only two days away, to sign a deal with another team. Otherwise, the Giants can get him for one year and only What's your gut there, Paul? Million does, he just, does he come running back? I don't think that uh, he's got much interest. Otherwise, he would have already had a deal with somebody else. Mm-hmm. He proved he was healthy last year. He had over 70 tackles, mm-hmm. had double-digit sacks. What is there not to like? If you didn't mm-hmm. sign him by now, I'm guessing that you just didn't see his value and you're not going to sign him. So well, anyway, guess- Jeff Jeff from Rhode Island wants to talk about it. All right, Jeff. Jeff, you're on the show. How are you doing today? Everybody okay? Hi, good. yes. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, I don't know anybody or anybody in my family that's sick, so thank God for that. Great. Hope we all stay that way, all of us. Um, yeah, I, I I called. I I was wondering what was going on with Marcus Golden, and uh, another another question I had was uh, you already answered that question for me, but uh, I guess the rookies report tomorrow, and um, <clears throat> all the uh, everybody else veterans we would report to camp next week. Uh, are you going to be allowed to go in there and cover anything, or how, how is that going to <laughs> we work? We don't have any details, and, Jeff, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny with you, okay? I'm really yeah. not. But everything is fluid with this whole pandemic situation. Right. And even though the NFL put out a memo a couple of days ago that indicated what the opening of training camp would be, I'm going to tell you right now, every hour that goes by and every day that goes by, uh, to me, brings more uncertainty. And I'm not convinced that the dates you have uh, or have been released for training camp are going to hold. I'm, I'm just not. Until I, I see the players have gotten to their facilities and they have gotten out onto the field, I will not believe that those dates are real. And that's just because of the, the game that we've had to play with all the fluidity that has been involved. And so I'm, I'm not counting any chickens before they hatch. And that includes how it is we're supposed to cover these things, too. I just yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, it sounds pretty reasonable, and, uh, you know, it could very well happen that way. So uh, I guess we'll it could. find out shortly. Yeah. It could, but it also could not. Yeah. Okay, well, I hope it doesn't. I hope you, uh, you guys are there covering things uh, during training camp because uh, I always enjoyed that. So uh, Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate keep, it. Stay well. Yep, yeah, keep up the
Thank you so much. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. Our one phone line is now open once again. Again, we're in this pandemic situation where we only have one phone line as opposed to that usual bank uh, that we have at the facility. So please give us a call and uh, we'll see what we can do about uh, conversing. Uh, Jacob in Denmark sends us a uh, an email from across the ocean. <laughs> Wants to know if we think Julian Love could be the free safety in 2020. Will he win the job? And he understands that uh, they have drafted McKinney. And he also uh, wants to know uh, as well what's going to happen with the two tackle spots between Solder and Andrew Thomas. Mm -mm. We've talked about this a lot, Jeff, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot more certainty that Andrew Thomas is going to uh, procure at least one of the tackle spots. I, mm-hmm. I think we all kind of think it'll be the right side. Yep. As far as McKinney goes, I'm not ready to just give him that spot over Julian Love yet. I, I think it's more likely that they'll play some three safety packages, and that mm-hmm. may be how McKinney gets on the field. I don't know that he starts week one ahead of Love. He may wrestle it away shortly, but I don't know that uh, that Love is going to be so quick to give up the spot. Well, it's interesting because, you know, they, they moved Love to safety you know, the previous uh, coaching staff. So does this staff feel like that's his position or do they move him back to corner? So he was drafted with the intention of being the eventual free safety. Mm. Well, he did. That's my understanding. Okay. Well, um, my answer is I don't think that love will be the starter. I think McKinney and Jabril Peppers will be your starter, but I do feel like, yes, but I do feel like there'll be a lot of the three safety looks because I feel like McKinney and Jabril can both move into that box safety spot with another free safety back. So that's my idea. And so, but to answer the question is, I, I, I disagree with you. I agree. I think that it will be McKinney. That's fine. And yeah, he no, very well may do but it. Listen, I can tell you this, that Julian Look, Love is going to play, Ju- Julian Love is gonna play some football. No, I, I don't think there's any doubt. And when you draft a kid that high, as mm-hmm. McKinney was uh, at the very top of the second round, you have to believe that he's going to be a starter at some point. And he should if, have been a first-rounder. Right he yeah. was just – he. I mean, because the Giants were picking third, he just landed in their lap, and we couldn't have been happier. I remember going off the air that the night before the second, the, uh, the second round, and we were all sitting there going, there's this kid from Alabama that's available at a safety. No safeties were taken in the first round. And, man, I tell you, we were in the next day. It's like, sure enough, there it is. So – I'm really excited to see him play. I mean, obviously, coming from Alabama, the kid can play some football, uh, yeah. physical, and um, just excited to see him. I, I'm not excited about not being able to, you know, <laughs> this is just so strange to me, Paul. I, I know to you, too, John, everybody, um, that we're so, we are so thick with football at this time of the year right now um, and getting so excited about getting to camp and that whole, just the whole thing. You know, seeing people uh, for the first time in a long time, seeing everybody, seeing how the way that those stands are set up. And it's just it's it's depressing to me to know that we're not going to be there. I just guess it's crazy. You had to bring that up, Jeff. Right? I know I did. I just can't I just can't stop thinking about it because, you know, for as many years as I was in it and as many years now that I've been out of it, I look forward to the third week in July. I just think I know this when when football starts. And we know we're we're locked and loaded for the next uh, all the way until hopefully February. But Jeff, um, we'll, you know, we'll make the I, best of it. I totally feel your pain as as I enter my 38th straight season of covering the Giants in the National Football League. I cannot remember the last time I went through a summer and did not attend daily practices at training camp. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, or, even even when even when I, I when or I was mini camp co- for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, when, when I was in college at Fordham at WFUV, I used to go to training camp twice a week. I couldn't be there every day because I had classes. Something about the professors telling me that I had to be a class, you know, to graduate. So, you know, I couldn't go to training camp every day. Uh, actually, no, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have a class in, in, in July or August. It was more September. But, you know, you get the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie from Portland, Maine. You Charles. are on BBKL. Chuckle. Hello. <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey, Jeff. Hello, hey, I Charlie. Got, I, I got. I'm just going to ask you guys a question. Would you? Money is not an issue here. This is just a straight up trade. Leonard Williams for Yannick Noah from Jacksonville. Leonard Would Williams. You do it. Hands down. I love Leonard Williams a hell of a lot more than the Gakwe. 
Lukaku's a sack really? guy and nothing else. I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah but don't we need sacks? We do need sacks. At, at, do. The, ex, at the expense yeah. of a guy who's not going to help stop the run when we all know Dave Gettleman. Is it a long-term deal or is it one year? <laughs> hey, well, I just say it's a one year just like Lennon. Like Williams is a one year. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think, Jeff? Uh, it's a good question, believe it or not. I'm not going to give you credit for that. But, uh, I hate <laughs> to give you credit for anything, Charlie. Uh, I will I, – you know what? I would, I would say – I would say Leonard Williams too because I just like to. It, it's a safe. It's safe for me. There's no problems with the guy. I know he doesn't have the sacks, but I just feel like he's a better person for the locker room and better person to build a new defense with. There you go. Okay. By the way, just just so yeah. we're very clear, and I get the yeah. fact that in the four years that Nagakwe has played, he's got 37 and a half sacks. To Williams is only 17 and a half in five NFL seasons. So I get the sack number. But, but, how about the quarterback hits? Williams has 101. Nagakwe has 85. Nagakwe only had 15 quarterback hits last year. So that means when he's done with his five NFL seasons, if he duplicates what he did last year, he will only have 100 quarterback hits. So how exactly is Nagakwe that much better than Leonard Williams? And, oh, by the way, Okay, only 122 tackles in four seasons of the National Football League. Williams has 266 in five seasons. So Nagakwe is going to have to have 144 tackles this year to match what Leonard Williams did in his first five NFL seasons. (laughs) Come on, Charlie. Let's get real. Let's get real. No, but don't you think, Paul, that we have somebody who could actually pick up the tackling? Because we've got those type of defensive tackles and defensive ends, and even if you use, you know, not Knockway, whatever how you pronounce his name, just as a third down guy or a second and long guy, he's your sack guy. You bring him in just for that. OC used to come in just for that. And it, oh, that no, OC OC was a dominating impact player. He made big splash plays virtually every week. He was a special dude. Don't compare Nagakwe to OC Umanura. Come on, Charlie. Please. <laughs> well, They're not I'm even close. To, I'm just trying to get some sacks on this team. And, and he well, I understand that. that but do don't, that, right? don't, don't belittle Leonard Williams for that. Because let oh, me tell oh, you I'm something. Not, I like do, Leonard Williams. He does a lot. And you've got to no, stop like the run. You, okay? You've got to hey, stop I, the run. Hey, I wanted to draft him back when he was in the draft. I wanted us to move up and get him. Because mm-hmm. he only dropped like a couple of spaces from us so it's not like i don't like lennon williams i do i always just wanted to see what you guys would say and i figured that's what you would say there but. you go charlie <laughs> see you didn't even right, have to guys. dial us up <laughs> have a good day hey, by the way are you guys not going to mention that charlie called him yannick noah when he first called in yannick are you guys not bringing that up the tennis player <laughs> oh my god no one's going to mention this Oh, well, first of all, first of all, I didn't even know Yannick Noah was a tennis player, anyway. Well, Yannick John, Noah, so Joe Kim Noah's Joaquin, dad. Yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where do you go, Charlie? Get your names right. I, you know, oh yeah, Feagles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Pot, Mr. Kettle over there. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, you know the trouble. Mr. The McIntyre. trouble with this, and 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 the the way that Lance beats up on Charlie, and sometimes you do too, John. I figured I cut him a little. Sometimes? Slack. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Every time he calls, he beats up on. Charlie. Oh, my goodness. you got to respect your elders, so. got to respect your elders. Uh, okay. we got a few more minutes you to go. Though, Charlie, he subjects himself to this ridicule every oh, he time does. he calls in. He does. With these ludicrous questions. All right, folks. I got one more here from the mailbag, Jeff. And if we All get right, a quick go call to the mailbag. at 973-667-1960, we will get that person in. But we do have a quick, quick mailbag uh, item here. And I know it goes right to a player that you've actually talked about a couple of times off the air. And that's why I want to get this one in. David says, does Javon Leak have a legitimate chance to make the Giants roster? And if he does, do you think it'll come at the cost of either Jonathan Hillman or Wayne Goldman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I think it. he's got a good shot to make it. The one thing about... You know, Gallman is it, and of course, if this is the truth, you know, Joe Judge has said that everybody comes in here with a clean slate and everybody's going to compete and this and that. If that's the truth, then 
then Wayne Gallman has a chance to make the team just as much as uh, Leak does. You know, go out there and show you what it is. But I really like what I really, really like Leak. You look at his statistics in college. You look right. at the way he can catch the football. and I mean, I like him a lot. So uh, I'm just curious what happened last year with Wayne Gallman. I mean, he was a healthy scratch for a few games. We were all scratching our head going, what, what's going on here? So I don't know, you know, is it an attitude thing or I don't know. But he to answer your question, and it's a good one, I think he does. And, and Hillman, he's, listen, aside from uh, Deion Lewis and Saquon, it's wide open from there. So sure. anybody could do it, in my opinion. I will tell you this, though, Jeff, and I agree with you that Leak has some very intriguing measurables, uh, a skill set that really makes you kind of open your eyes. But his numbers at Maryland were incredibly disappointing. Of course, he didn't play a ton. I mean, over three years uh, there in the Big Ten, he only played in 30 games, ran the ball 144 times for just over 1,100 yards. Mm -hmm. Now, that's eight yards a carry. Mm -hmm. So that's insane. And he did have 17 touchdowns. Okay, on, on 145 rushes. But last year was really his one breakout year where he ran for 736 on 102 rushes in 12 games. Okay. Prior to that, he barely played. Well, and he only caught 10 passes in three years. Yeah, but you know what? I, it, it, it's fine. And I, I, a lot of times you see some of these players um, that they come out of college and they're just pro-ready. You know what I'm saying? Like the, their numbers. It's, His I, skill I, listen, set I, is intriguing. I agree with you. Th there you go. That, that's the word. It's, he's very intriguing to me. Now he may or he may not make it, and just you know, it, it's, it happens. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it. That he does make the practice squad. All right, very quickly, because we uh, started a couple of minutes late, I do want to get one more call in. I also want to tell uh, So Bad 6 on Twitter. Lisa says she's working from the Emergency Child Care Center, so God bless you for helping out some people and hope everything is well. Uh, she wanted to know if there's any new news on Marcus Golden. The answer is no, with two days to go till that tag deadline. Uh, still no word that he has signed with anybody else. Quickly, Jack in Queen Creek, Arizona. Is that a place you've heard of, Jeff? He's yep. next on the show. Yep. Hello, Jack. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Great. How are you? Hey, Jack. I played. Yeah, uh, I have played the Queen Creek. There's a golf course out there. What's the name of that? There golf is. Course? Yes. Very nice one. Yes. Yeah. There you go, Paul. Answer your question. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just wanted to let all the listeners know that I firmly believe that Saquon Barkley behind this revamped line of ours is going to rush for at least 1,800 yards. And my new favorite quarterback, Daniel Jones, is going to have a standout year, 30 touchdowns, 10 or less picks, and a Giants playoff berth. How do you guys feel about that? Love it. <laughs> it how many carries is he going to need? To rush for at least eighteen hundred. I, I, I like I like at least I don't know, twenty, twenty five, thirty carries a game. I, I want him to get the ball fed every game. I want to turn into the Titans with this with this guy. Well I want him to carry that, it thirty four, times a game. Well, that's huh? four hundred and eighty carries. <laughs> He's a workhorse. Yeah, that's he, what I need. Well, he that's would what be. I want. <laughs> uh that's a lot. I mean let's just give him give him three fifty. Okay, listen, I'm just going to tell you this. Jason Garrett, when he was head coach of the Cowboys, during the four years Elliott was there, averaged 21 rushes a game. I think it's possible Barkley may wind up averaging 23-24. I don't think he's going to go more than 25 rushes a game, though, for the season. I just don't. Uh, all right. That's fair. Yeah. Have That's a good day, sir. Ask Daniel, yeah. Daniel Jones how do you feel about that. Jeff? What's that? I'm sorry. He, he asked about Daniel Jones. What about him? I didn't hear the question. I think we lost him. Hmm. Well, appreciate the, the phone call. Jot down the number again, 973-667-1960. You could always get us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. Remember, the mailbag is also open 24-7 at Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. Mr. Fiegels, that closes the book on another Thank show. You, Paul. Yeah. By the way, real quickly, I think he said about the 30 touchdowns for Daniel Jones. Oh, is that what he said? Okay. I, I, I think that's what he was asking me. Um, he said, listen, he I, said 30 touchdowns and 10 picks or fewer, 10 or fewer uh, picks. Wow. I like it. I like three to it. one ratio will be fine. Yeah, three to one. I mean, 10 picks is <laughs> yeah, that, that's think? good. I don't know which, which, which is better in your opinion, guys, real quickly. 30 touchdowns or 10 picks? 
I think I, the I think the ten picks is a more. I think that I take the ten picks because I know that that way he's not you know turning the football over. If you can guarantee me ten exactly. or fewer picks right now, yeah. I, I'd sign. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Why wouldn't you? Yep. Yeah, that's a good absolutely. deal. Yeah, Folks, thank you, Paul. Thank you, John. That's it for BBKL. And remember, we are back here at noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday on Giants.com, always to answer your big blue comments and questions. We'll see you next time, everybody.